2: And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com.
3: Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest-cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024.
0: All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Happy Monday. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800 941 Sean you want to be a part of the program. 80% of Americans uh, support having photo voter Identification. Now, we told you these numbers were what they were. It is what it is. It's not, it's not start stopping the radical Democrats from trying. They're still going to try. And and the amount of pressure that is being brought to bear on the likes of Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, et cetera, et cetera, is uh, it, it's something to behold. It's for me, it's just politically fascinating. It's it's, it's kind of like watching the Democratic Party destruct that the the mob the media the leftists on on cable news uh the radical new green deal Socialist democrats they're all up in arms about it but there is not much they're going to be able to do because it's not going to become the law hr1 sr1 there is a group of leftists that are, are running uh, a million two worth of ads in Arizona to try and uh, pressure senator kristen cinema into trash, trashing the filibuster and fearing the Republicans will use it to block legislation. You know, Lindsey Graham was on, and I have actually forgotten this, Lindsey Graham was on one of the Sunday shows this weekend. I only get a, I get like a hot sheet what happened on the Sunday shows. I never watch them anymore because they're unwatchable to me, but I do pay attention to what other people are saying. Anyway, so I'm reading some of the transcript of this, and and it, he reminded who Whoever I don't remember who he was talking to, that he could have opposed and gotten rid of the filibuster when Trump first got into office in 2017, chose not to do it. Um, do I think eventually one day it's probably going to go away? Yeah, because it's 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 just how divided the country is and what the net result of it is. I don't know. I don't I don't think a lot of good is coming out of one party ramming through their agenda the way. You know, the, the House of Representatives was designed to be the people's house. The Senate was designed to be the more deliberative body, uh, less impulsive, uh, less less defined by the the passions of the moment. But anyway, the group Just Democracy is adding all of these ads against Christian cinema. Now, I kind of like it because Democrats are attacking Democrats. That's always a good thing, in my view, because they're cracking up. Uh, and they're spending a lot of money on it. One ad begins in reference to her past voting record. Kristen Cinema is failing us when she's up for reelection. I'm sure that's going to be pulled out of mothballs and used against her. But as the GOP tries to silence our voices, she's just standing by supporting a, a Jim Crow relic. And instead, the ad says, you're refusing to stand with us, Senator Cinema. Why should we stand with you? And then a second ad slamming Senator Cinema for not fighting for federal takeover of local elections. You know, look, a lot of this is just purely unconstitutional, as we have discussed. Now, what's kind of fascinating is to watch in Georgia in particular, because three people kind of led the effort there. And, you know, so Georgia passes this new voting law that allows 17 days in-person early voting. It it mandates that every precinct have a drop box. It allows for mail-in balloting, but it has voter ID. Now, this is the state where where Joe Biden said it was Jim Crow 2.0. But Joe, in 50-whatever-million years as a representative in the great state of Delaware, they they don't have the kind of accessibility that Georgia is providing the people of Georgia in Delaware. They don't have any early days of voting in person voting before an election. They have none. They have voter ID laws in Delaware. They don't have any drop boxes in Delaware. So if Georgia based on his definition is Jim Crow 2.0, well, what are we going to call his law? And to get lectured on by Joe Biden on anything race is, is frankly beyond repugnant considering his atrocious record on such. Now, the two people that have been also, now remember, this now costs the state of Georgia, it costs the state of Georgia a lot of money. As a matter of fact, it's costing them $100 million according to estimates. And it was in part supported by Stacey Abrams. Raphael Warnock is another one. You know, Raphael Warnock was saying voter ID provisions are akin to Jim Crow in new clothes. And then was saying many of the bills that, He labeled as voter suppression and involved common sense, you know, voter ID provisions. All of these, quote, voter suppression laws, Warnock said, you know, we've got to have voter ID because if we don't, they might vote twice. Are you kidding? Have you been in America the last several years? It's hard enough to get people to vote once, let alone twice. So that's his history. Now, all of a sudden, he's backtracking. And so Stacey Abrams is backtracking. And, you know, Raphael Warnock fact-checked for claiming he never opposed voter ID laws is just lying. Now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Stacey Abrams, she's recognizing politically, uh uh-oh, 80% of people in Georgia support and nationwide support voter ID laws. Now she's saying she supports it. Well, if she supported it earlier, she would have stepped in and stopped This move to boycott the Major League Baseball having the All-Star Game in Atlanta, which now cost the people of Atlanta, businesses in Atlanta, $100 million. And you can blame three people for this. Raphael Warnock, Stacey Abrams, and Joe Biden. Because they're the three people that got a very ignorant Major League Baseball to pull the game and, and Major League Baseball had no knowledge at all whatsoever what issues were in play in the state of Georgia or anything about the voting laws. Look, if you want integrity in future elections, if you want confidence in future elections, this is not complicated. You need photo ID, period. It's a simple requirement. It's not that bad. You need it to buy a six pack of beer. You need it to buy a pack of cigarettes. You need it to get into the Democratic National Convention, the Capitol. You need it to get into Joe's White House when he's not taking his little nappy. You need need it for everything in life. It's a simple, basic, fundamental requirement. Now, Georgia is still missing signature verification. That needs to be rectified because they have a database in the state of Georgia to make sure that the person that is signing their name on the ballot that the signature matches that which is on file. And if there's a discrepancy, you get to go to the person and ask the person, excuse me, why is this signature so different? Is this your ballot? And you get to, again, to ensure integrity. We're now learning in Fulton County that, in fact, chain of custody issues required by law were ignored. Well, now, all of a sudden, that dopey secretary of state that made this ridiculous consent agreement with the Democratic Party and the Democratic National Campaign Committee and the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee uh, that allowed for two different standards for voting in Georgia, one for mail-in balloting that was far less restrictive than in-person voting. You know, now he's recognizing there's a problem. You know, Stacey Abrams says nobody is, has ever opposed having to prove who you are to be able to vote. No, Stacey, that's not true either. And now she's trying to, you know, latch on to what And nobody even knows what Manchin's voting rights compromise would be anyway. I guess the Manchin plan resembles the Georgia systems in, in fundamental ways. It does allow for early voting. ID is required. No excuse absentee. Uh, ballots, you know that might be a bonus provision, but the people that caused the hundred million dollar financial loss, well, that would be the, that would be Stacey Abrams, Raphael Warnock, and and Joe Biden. Those are the three people responsible. I hope the people of Georgia are happy, and and then they got away with basically saying the state of Georgia is racist, and then Major League Baseball politicizes it. And what do they do? They take it to a state that has a very high percentage of minorities and they take it all the way to Colorado where they only have 9% minorities in the entire state. Um, now, you have you know, people are asking me all the time, well, are you following what's happening in Maricopa County? The answer is, yeah, of course I am. And I follow the news every day. Are you reading about chain of custody issues in, in Fulton County, Georgia, Warren followed? Yeah, that's why it was stupid of the governor of Georgia you know, deciding he wanted to, you know, do a sample uh, check of ballots in Cobb County. Cobb, Cobb County wasn't going to be where the problems were. It was always going to be either Fulton or DeKalb County. How do you know this, Hannity? I lived in Georgia. I know Georgia voting extraordinarily well. Maricopa County. Now the, now people ask me, well, what happens if, in fact, things come back and there's great discrepancies? I'm going to say, well, that's why they have this extended period from November 3rd through January 6th and 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 that's where these issues are to be resolved now for those people i am not one of these people that gives fo- false hope to others i don't know what what the audits are going to show i've got i've made calls i've talked to various people i've got different interpretations of it but the end result of it will be you, you, there's no way in hell the democrats and there's no way in hell, I don't think the Supreme Court of the United States or any court in the United States is going to dare involve himself in this. That's my my educated guess. And so the best next best thing you can do is to ensure voter integrity and confidence in future elections, and that's voter ID, picture ID, signature verification, chain of custody controls that must be followed, Uh, Every year you got to clean the voter rolls, make sure that they're updated and accurate. And every state, for the most part, has statutory language that requires that people from all political sides get to watch the vote count from start to finish. Again, all things that didn't happen in 2020. That's how you bring integrity and confidence back to the system. There's a way to do it. Republicans, too, I would urge them You know, maybe maybe they're not they're not as used to Democrats that have have really adopted as their strategy mail in voting. But I think Republicans need to revisit this and make it a part of their strategy to get their voters to accept mailing in ballots or dropping off their ballots at a at a polling place uh, in the future uh, if they want, again, to win elections. 74 percent of pennsylvania voters they support photo id there's nothing that i'm advocating here to give an advantage to one side over another i'm not doing that in any way shape manner or form pennsylvania by the way themselves they're poised to be in their own audit i think to have an audit is a good thing so we know exactly what happened And I'm sure the results will be that there'll be contentious analysis and debate as to what really happened. I don't think there's anybody in this audience that can confidently say that they know that in 2000, the 537 vote difference in Florida is an accurate number. I don't think I don't think we'll ever know because the system was so screwed up in Florida at the time It's since been cleaned up the problems in 2016 in
1: Florida, they've been cleaned up, too. And now they're even going further.
5: Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: If you want to talk about Jim Crow 2.0, I guess we can do that because um, you have Rhode Island senator. Rhode, Rhode Island's a beautiful state. I lived there for a while. Sheldon Whitehouse defending his membership to a a club that apparently – is um well all white people there's no minorities at all defending the membership it's called uh bailey's beach club of newport rhode island um and it, this first came to light in 2017 i think the people who are running the place are still working on that and i'm sorry it hasn't happened yet he tells a reporter now this is a republican Oh, and and they've known about this now for four years, and he still hasn't left the club. It was sort of like Lloyd Benson runs for vice president, uh, and and he leaves the club. You know, I guess they they didn't have allowed minorities or whatever it was. And then as soon as he loses the race, he joins the club again. Anyway, so the the piece goes on to say, telling a reporter for Go Local Providence before walking away. Uh, that Sandra Whitehouse, the senator's wife, is one of the largest shareholders in the club and describing the membership as a a who's who of a beautiful, prestigious Newport. There's one great thing about Newport, Rhode Island. It's called the Black Pearl, the best New England clam chowder on the face of the earth. Best part of Newport. The only part I even care about. Although the Inn at Castle Hill is pretty cool, too. Anyway, you had remarks on the Senate floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and systematic racism. And your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club in this day and age, should these clubs continue to exist? I'm going to tell you something. I know this for a fact. Um, there's a lot of this type of thing that happens at these clubs. A lot of, you know, for example, there are, there, there's a lot of segregation based on even religion in New York On in clubs. Nobody talks about it, though. No. They just don't want, they just cancel people like me that I can't go and have a cheeseburger. It might offend somebody in the dining
1: room.
5: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, twenty five till the top of the hour. 941 Sean, you want to be a part of the program? I, I'll tell you what is somewhat entertaining and also pathetic at the same time is, and it, it's it's taken a while, but everybody's kind of figured out that I guess Hannity's been right about Fox News. Hannity stalker Humpty Dumpty, who works over there for Mister Potato Head at the, at fake news CNN, and it is it is their obsession, the mob, and it's a mob. Why do I say the media mob? I say the media mob because it's one mindset. It is, if you really want to break it down the way I referred to it in a tweet, um, they all regurgitate the same lies. And it doesn't matter how wrong they are. They're just going to continue... With the next lie, and the next lie, and the next lie, and the next conspiracy theory. and I mean, one of the biggest jokes is is like the New York Times. Now, there are two lawsuits we're paying very close attention to, because both now are headed into what is called the discovery phase of a lawsuit. And this is going to get interesting. One is with Project Veritas. And this was the New York State Supreme Court allowing them now to move to the discovery phase against their lawsuit against the New York Times. Um, I, I, I thought long and hard and have contemplated, and I, I still can, uh, sue them myself for the slander and the smearing and the lies that they've done against me. The, the problem is I just don't have enough time in the day to devote to. to you know a, a lawsuit it just it takes too much of my day away that i i'm, I'm tempted to because times v sullivan of all things hit, set sets such a high bar if you're a public figure for you know you, you actually have to show malice on the part of the news organization as, as as the evidence that proves that they're liable for the slander that they're involved in it's a it's a high bar The first case with with Governor Palin was about this whole concept of targeted districts and and the shooting that took place. And Gabby Giffords got shot. And somehow she was on a a list of targeted um, districts. Okay, targeted districts. Bob Beckel even at the time admitted he, he even took credit for the authorship of. You have Democrats, they do it. Republicans, they do it. They identify specific districts that they think that they'll target, that they'll be able to win if they invest time and money and, get, and recruit good candidates for. It's just common practice. It's not about targeting them. Uh, and everybody that has spent more than five seconds in, in politics knows and understands this. It's not hard to figure out in anyway but they, they don't want to figure it out they just want all they want their obsession with all things Donald Trump it, it, they can't stop themselves and Maggie Haberman has all of this prestige for some reason and I watch you know with kind of amusement she works for a newspaper that is radical squad hardcore new green deal left that obsesses over and never stops obsessing over donald trump it doesn't matter that donald trump is no longer the president you know it is it is socialist propaganda same with the washington post you know there's a there's a reason how come none of these outlets can you imagine if don jr or eric trump were ever involved in In throwing, lying on a gun application, throwing a gun in a dumpster, if they were ever involved in getting payments from Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Russia, China, everywhere in between, and cashing in uh, with no experience like like Hunter Biden did, do do you think they'd get the same treatment? Because they ignore Hunter. Hunter uses the N-word. How many times makes... Makes anti-Asian slurs how many times, and it's like these things don't happen in their universe because they're just obsessed all things radical, new green Deal socialist. are just they're not they're no better than than Pravda. And I I actually tweeted this out last night. They all live in this fake news blue check. And what I mean by blue check is on Twitter, you you know they identify you as the real person. Because some people try to take your name and, or in the name of a somebody who's famous or somewhat famous and, and it identifies that you're really that person. Anyway, they live in this fake news, blue check bubble. And it's a bubble of Bull Adam Schiff is what it is. They have no influence beyond their little bubble. And the most amazing thing about this I bet most of you don't even know who Maggie Haberman is. And like, it's like in this bubble, they tweet each other's propaganda, their own crap. And the one thing that they've lost touch with are real people. They don't understand people showing up at a Trump rally. They just know that, you know, trashing Trump is good for business and that's about it. You know, it went as far as the New York Times and and Maggie Haberman, their celebrated columnist or reporter, um, you know, a fawning feature piece because she was part of a team at the New York Times. They got the 2018 Pulitzer Prize in national reporting. What was the coverage for the alleged Russian interference during the 2016 presidential election? And its connections to the Trump campaign. That story is false. The only Russian interference that took place in 2016 that we know of with irrefutable and incontrovertible evidence was Hillary Clinton's dirty Russian misinformation dossier that was then used four separate times in FISA applications that are supposed to be verified that weren't because they're unverifiable because the information in the dossier ended up being completely false, manufactured and made up. Even the author Christopher Steele had to admit such after a period of time, and and the source for the stories that were given said this is nothing but bar talk. But they got a Pulitzer surprise over this. I mean, it's a joke, and you know, but but the great irony in this is. None of these newspapers, none of these broadcast networks, none of these fake news channels can give up hating Donald Trump every second, every minute, every hour of every day. Foxnews.com just did a piece and they actually went back and and looked at the fact that, OK, Maggie Haberman, since Trump left office, has written about or contributed contributed to 100 stories. Um since trump left office mostly you know she's supposed to be about biden right okay only eight were only eight of the hundred were about biden when you do a review of her online profile the small number of biden related stories they report include pieces about the president's reaction or lack thereof to embattled new york governor cuomo at least 70 stories of the hundred. Maggie Haberman had a hand in since Biden took office are about Donald Trump, not including other pieces about key figures from his world like Mike Pence and Rudy Giuliani and dozens of them concern Donald Trump's second impeachment trial after he left office. Well, apparently she's supposed to be the Washington correspondent as it relates to the president. But that's about it. And she's apparently now writing a book on Donald Trump. I don't know why Donald Trump, he, he seems to be of a mindset that if he talks to people that are writing horrible books on him, that if he can mitigate 25 percent, it was worth his time or worth his while. Well, it's not because they're liars. They lie. They don't tell the truth. They don't admit when they get things wrong. You know, they, they never told the story about premeditated fraud on a FISA court. They never exposed Hillary Clinton's dirty Russian disinformation dossier. They never went on to expose. They, they they paid no attention. We impeach a president over a phone call with President Zelensky of Ukraine while simultaneously ignoring Joe Biden on tape bragging how he withheld a billion taxpayer dollars, gave a deadline of six hours to Ukrainian officials saying they're not going to get America's money, the billion. Unless they fire an obscure prosecutor in Ukraine who actually wasn't that obscure because he was investigating Hunter Biden, who was working with Burisma Holdings and being paid millions of dollars and admitted on Good Morning America that he had no experience in energy, oil, gas in Ukraine. And then it raises the question, well, what did you get paid for? I don't know. Why did you get picked? I don't know. Maybe because your, your dad is the vice president in charge of Ukraine? Probably. Is that any different? Can you, can you make a connection with a, a Kazakhstan oligarch or the first lady of Moscow, the former mayor of Moscow's wife, a, a Russian oligarch, a $3.5 million transfer from Russia? You know, Does it make sense that Joe Biden gives a waiver to Vladimir Putin to build a, a pipeline? so that he can, he can provide the lifeblood of, of the world's economy to our allies in Western Europe while we'll pay him for their defense vis-a-vis through NATO? Does it make any sense while he did that, allowed that waiver, he was, you know, with the stroke of a pen, you know, ending high-paying career jobs, skill-specific jobs in the energy sector for American workers? You would think they might think, oh, I wonder if Joe's compromised or the idea that the president, you know, his son gets a billion five deal with the Bank of China. a One hundred thousand dollar shopping spree. Again, imagine if any of these were Trump kids. So they're really just hacks. They're hacks and they're Trump stalkers. They can't quit Trump. They can't. And this is there. It's even to this day. It's every second. It's every minute. It's every hour of every given day. And it doesn't matter. Like after Haberman comes out with this report, Donald Trump is telling people that he's going to be in office in August of this year. Well, I made phone calls and I got direct sources saying he's never said it, doesn't believe it. And it's total BS. But the media mob, then the, the blue check cult starts acting as if this is all gospel truth. Just like Russia, Russia, Russia was gospel. Just like Joe did nothing wrong with Ukraine by leveraging a billion tax dollars. Just like I guess there was nothing wrong, even though we had a, a, an FBI informant that had infiltrated Putin's network inside the Uranium One deal. And this informant was describing, let's see, bribery and kickbacks and money laundering and and all sorts of nefarious activities. And why would we hand over any uranium when we have to import uranium? Because we don't have enough uranium, the foundational materials for nuclear weapons. And then the money that got kicked back to the Clinton Foundation by the very people involved in that deal. I guess that's not corruption either. I mean... You know, do they know they're this corrupt? I, I'm beginning to believe they actually are so psychotic they don't. But they think they're holier than thou. They think they are, uh, they, you know, well, they, they just they just think that their way of thinking is superior to we the people. They think they're fair. They're not. They act like they don't have an agenda. They do. They act like they're journalists. They're not. They're a bunch of of socialist New Green Deal propaganda hacks. It's that simple. You cannot trust the New York Times or the Washington Post or ABC or NBC or CBS because I guarantee you if any Trump kid used the N-word, any Trump kid lied on a gun application, any Trump kid dumped a gun in a dumpster, if any Trump kid with no experience got paid by Kazakhstan oligarchs and Burisma Holdings with no experience or Russia and a Russian oligarch and the first lady of Moscow or that or that the Bank of China bypassed Deutsche Bank and Goldman Sachs and and did the deal with zero experience, Hunter the crack addict, um, you know that they'd be covering it 24 seven. But they don't seem to understand it. They're all hacks. They all have political agendas. But they say they're reporters. They're the most dishonest
1: people in the media today. There's nobody that comes close to them.
5: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: On right, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? You know, if you don't have, and I've said this so many times, if you don't have law and order, safety and security, how is it even possible to pursue happiness? It's the same thing every single solitary weekend. Chicago, 49 people shot, 5 fatally last weekend. I, I mean, how many more people have to get shot? Do we do you know their names? No, you don't. Is there a reason you don't know their names? Yeah, there's a reason. And the reason is if you can't politicize it, why do we care about, you know, a lost life or somebody that, you know, may never walk again? It was one Chicago a Chicago couple celebrating After the city, they had a a Puerto Rican Day parade, and this is all on video, I'll show you tonight, dragged from their car and shot execution style. The man's dead, his girlfriend now clings to life in a Chicago hospital. That's what happened. Puerto Rican couple shot brutally by a group of men after the parade that took place in Chicago. I mean, apparently it was based on the victim. had rear-ended a, a parked car by accident. It was an accident. You get an accidents now it becomes a reason to shoot and kill somebody. You have a former Obama advisor on police reform, no less, is actually blaming the New York Police Department that has had a billion dollars cut from their budget, part of this defund madness. They're blaming the cops for skyrocketing crime in New York City. You can't make this up. Brittany Packett Cunningham, you know, now an MSDNC contributor, former Obama administration appointee. Defunding the police is not just taking money out of an institution that continues to prove ineffective. It's also about refunding the people a lot of police unions and GOP operatives that would like for us to believe that the recent crime wave has everything to do with the idea of defunding the police. Well, do you not see a correlation? Cause you don't need to go to Harvard to figure it out. You have, uh, but, but that's, what's being told New York city prosecutors. You're going to love this story. It was all over the New York post today. They're literally, they dropped charges. All these people we have from last summer, That were part of the rioting that took place last summer, you know, close to 300 of them that Democrats never acknowledged that Joe Biden never mentioned during the Democratic National Convention that they they refused to call rioting and the media mob. Meanwhile, they have images behind them of cities burning and mostly uh, we're, we're here to report mostly peaceful tonight. Just a few minor little incidents and the scene over the shoulder of the reporter is a city burning to the ground. That's how insane that level of denial is. But they always want to talk about January 6th. January 6th can't happen either. And you know, we're consistent. When you see people that are violating the law, the, we have to protect our institutions, our elected officials. That has nothing to do with their politics are. It's, it has to do about protecting this great republic. It's 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 that simple. How many people have to get shot every weekend? Washington Examiner, over 40 percent increase in killed police officers so far in 2021. Do their lives matter? Because I think they matter. I think we're now up to one hundred and thirty or about one hundred and forty officers. Why would New York City drop charges for people that are on videotape looting and and setting and setting buildings ablaze and throwing rocks and bricks and bottles and Molotov cocktails at police officers. The New York Police Department released a, a photo of a suspect in a shocking sidewalk shooting, killed two kids. That happened in broad daylight. Another weekend New York City, you know, yeah, you Six hospitalized, the driver deliberately plowing a Jeep into a family on the streets in New York. Then, of course, fleet, you know, fled the scene. What's the point? They're not going to get prosecuted anyway. And if they get arrested, there's no bail laws in New York. You have more people slashed in Times Square this weekend, apparently part of, of gang initiations. Gunmen firing at each other in the street in in the Bronx. I mean, and it goes on and on and on. Andrew Yang's response to the homeless crisis. Uh, How does this happen? What is this homelessness part? You have 50 people shot on a weekend. This has been happening for years. California, one dead, six injured in, in Oakland. The Atlanta mayor says lifting restrictions have contributed to the city's soaring crime rate. Oh, you think that's the reason? People are actually out of their homes. CBS anchor excuses you know what they're doing in some of these cities well if you as long as you don't steal more than a thousand dollars worth of crap you're okay it's okay now we got videos of people going into stores like Walgreens with you know green you know big garbage bags and they're just filling them and they're walking out if they get caught they'll only get a, a summons They're <laughs> not gonna respond to that summons I mean, they now rule the roost at these big cities. Los Angeles was the top city impacted by organized retail crime. They say, no, you can steal as long as you don't steal over a thousand dollars worth of stuff. It's okay." I mean, how do you pursue happiness? How do people feel safe and secure in their neighborhoods when this is going on? San Francisco shoplifting spike. Because they can get away with it. It's, 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 it's devastating. $1,000 for a small business. You know, it's the difference between survival and, and their business is dying. Portland Police Union blaming officials who criticized officers. Unbelievable. That's happening all around the country. By the way, New York City, video showing two children shot to death when a gunman opens fire on a city street in New York. Anyway, Leo Torello's with us. Also, Sergeant uh, Trey Penny is with us. Leo, we'll start with you. I mean, it's the same story, just different names that nobody knows. And, you know, but the same cities, same places every weekend. And nobody lifts a finger. And I'm sitting here with you and we talk about it every Monday and we're like, nothing ever happens, Leo. They can't politicize this.
9: I'll tell you, Sean, what I'm recognizing now, thanks to a lot of news that you display on Fox News, the other guys are now mentioning it. And they're talking about Joe Biden's going to speak on it. But this is what they're going to talk about. They're going to blame it on too many guns. They're going to ignore the root problem that Democratic leadership allows criminals to rob and steal in these Democratic cities. They're going to blame what you mentioned already, oh, the pandemic. They will not attack the issue of, of the crime going on in these Democratic cities because it is their constituent. And then you've got a New York mayor race coming up in the primary. None of those guys are going to refund the police. None of them are really supporting the police. And Lori Lightfoot.
0: By the way, the only one that's saying refund the police—he's actually using that term—is Curtis Sliwa, who's run the Guardian Angels for decades. who I'm supporting for mayor. We're going to have him on the program one day.
9: Well, I'll tell you right now. The well, ch- oh, I hope he wins. But one—the point. Actually, he's on this.
0: tomorrow. But go ahead. Yeah.
9: The point. The point is simply this is that the Democrats have allowed this to happen. You talked about the, uh, in New York, the prosecutors are allowing 400, 400 criminals to get away, but they focus on Donald Trump. They let 400 criminals get away from looting and robbing, and all they want to do is do a political witch hunt against President Trump. And Lori Lightfoot, she's a political gangster. She's talking about too many guns in the street. She's cut a deal with the gangster. The gang leadership in Chicago runs that city. But she blames racism. She claims that there's a a racism, a public health crisis. The point is very simple. The Democrats will not prosecute these criminals because these criminals represent the heart and soul of the Democratic Party.
0: Yeah. By the way, I want to be clear. Nothing happened to the kids that I'd mentioned. The man that was shot next to the kids in broad daylight—he was shot, not the kids. But you know, Trey, it's every week, it's every weekend, and I—I—I've I, shown video back when Joe was vice president, and and Obama's home city was Chicago, and I—I—I'd scroll the names of people shot, and then people shot and killed, and and I'm the only, and and nobody else in the media even even paid any attention to it. We were the only ones paying attention to it. Now look at it. It's inst- it's institutionalized around the country.
10: Yeah, you're absolutely right. America has essentially, we, we've we essentially been demoralized by the crime in this country. I mean, just looking at New York City alone, you guys have a 73% increase in shootings. Uh, I mean, this is this is just absolute cra- absolutely crazy to me. I just can't understand how any city, how anybody can function like that. Uh, I think it, just looking at it now, I mean, everyone can, everyone can identify that we have a fire in in, in America right now. We know that the world is on fire, but nobody's talking about extinguishers. Uh, and I think I think that that Governor Giuliani and and uh, Bill Brandon got it right back in the in the early '90s with you know just addressing the fact that look, this is if if, if there is uh, uh, issues going on in the community, we have to start addressing the under underlying root of the uh, root cause of the problem, which is the, the socioeconomic issues. We got all these problems. You, we just come out of the pandemic where people don't have jobs. And guess what? They're all being radicalized. Well, listen, you might not agree with, like with Rudy
0: Giuliani's politics, but as mayor, his policies worked. And when the, when the murder rate goes from nearly 3,000 a year to 300 a year, you're saving lives. And a lot of lives, Trade, that were saved were minority lives. And what that's he did right. is he, he didn't that's focus on race. He focused on, okay, wh- where's the highest concentration of, of criminal activity happening? And that's where we're going to put the vast majority of our police resources.
10: Yeah, that's hot, hot spot policing. That's what, we, that's what everyone wants to re you know, uh, uh, reclassify now, hot spot policing. But the, the, the bottom line is this is classic broken windows theory, right? This is, you know, we've got to start looking at the, at the way the world lives right now. If these issues remain broken and unattended in society, people are going to get the impression that nobody cares. And guess what? They don't care. They don't care. They're going to go in and they're going to they're going to pillage and, and destroy your communities until you, you, you start holding them accountable. We got to get our criminal justice systems back in line. We got to start prosecuting these criminals. I saw in Portland that they were talking about letting
0: off. Trey, guys. we got them on video during the rioting last year. They're setting buildings ablaze. They're looting, and we know who they are. But now they're not going to prosecute.
10: We can't. But you know what? That's why we need to have federal policy. When the state won't do their job, they won't protect the uh, protect the I don't, we, we, I want, we can't federalize
0: to, the police department. That's not no, going
10: to no, work. No, no, we don't. We don't want to federalize the police. No, we don't need to federalize them. However, we do need to hold states accountable when they don't protect the citizens. That's what we need to be talking about, Sean. And and yeah. essentially, we let need we let these. Cities like Portland and Seattle and Chicago, we will let these these uh, liberal mayors hurt our constituents, hurt the people, the citizens. We can't allow that to happen.
0: Well, not only uh, okay, we can't, but it is happening, and it's happening. So, if you if you're going to have no bail laws, defund, dismantle the police, then you're talking about getting rid of indemnification for cops. It seems to me, Leo, at that point, it's over. It's the wild, wild west in in cities all across the country.
9: You know, Sean, I think it's the wild, wild west until 2022 because the House is going to, you know, the Democrats are going to lose the House. Nancy's going back to California. But I want to mention the hypocrisy of what's going on in these Democratic cities. Remember last year when Trump offered federal assistance to Portland and Chicago and they said no, 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 no? I go back to that crazy mayor in Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. Guess what she's begging for? She's begging for federal assistance it's now from the Biden administration because there's too many guns on the street. It's a game the Democrats play. They have no intention on cleaning up the street. And then they want to basically declaw the police by taking away qualified immunity, by basically stripping police officers of any protection who in the head want to become a police officer if they're not going to be supported by their democratic mayor or democratic governor it's chaotic and they do not want to solve the problem they want to blame it on too many guns and the pandemic the root of the problem is very simple the criminals are running the cities and these cities are democratic controlled. well
0: so how does this end i don't see a good ending trey you get the last word
9: yeah, you know
10: what, Sean? It's unfortunate, and we see this this mass exodus of police officers across the country. I so say we got a forty five percent increase of officers that are retiring uh, from and leaving their their agencies. So, uh, look, it, it, it's going to take it's going to take the community getting behind this. Community is going to have to uh, they're going to have to be bolsterous and and, and making their points known to their elected officials that they want their police. And if they don't, then they're going to vote them out. That's really what it's going to boil down to. Because other than that. As law enforcement, you're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see a mass a mass incidents like we've never seen before, and our cities are gonna be. I, I hate to even talk about an idea of federalizing police. We don't even want to see. And I, I'm, a, I'm a remember now. I'm a state rights person, that Sean. So don't don't don't, don't uh, capitalize me as one of the federal the ones that's going after this federal policy.
0: No, I, I'm, I'm a not. I person. promise. I want to make sure. I got I not, You made it clear. I got gotcha. you. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Uh, The COVID Wuhan uh, Lab of Virology
1: update next.
5: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right,
0: 25 to the top of the hour, 800 941 Sean, our number. We'll get to a lot of your calls coming up. Um, Not only is Joe just, you know, sippy cup, cognitively struggling and weak and frail and all the other things, um, he's cranky. He gets angry a lot. Anyway, listen.
8: I mean, she's referenced me. I agreed with the great job she did. And I went on the floor and got you votes. I got votes for that bill. I convinced people to vote for it. So let's get those things straight to. You the Mendo caucus. No, you haven't. You're a line dog face pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you gotta be honest. We're very concerned about these sanctions. How do you justify that? And what are your plans? 120 days. Give me a break. Uh Need time. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Didn't that what you said? Get your word straight, Jack. And you want to check my shape on it. let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do this
7: run, let's do whatever you want to do. Do you think it was wrong for him to take that position? No. Knowing that it was really because but, but that it, company it, wanted access to you? Well, that's not
8: true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that?
3: Is what's happening inside acceptable to you? And when is this going to be
8: Fixed. Right, that's a serious question, right? It's it acceptable to me, come on. Why are you so confident he'll change
7: his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident he'll change his behavior, what, hell,
9: what
8: do you do all the time? So when did I say I was compromised? So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President President Putin? I right. don't understand that in your
1: own eyes. But please clarify specifically, have you taken
8: a cognitive no, test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. Well, That's like man. saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Are, are you a jump- what do you-
0: Uh Anyway, joining us, uh, Rebecca Koffler is with us, former uh, Defense Intelligence Agency intelligence officer, and Kyron Skinner, uh, former director of policy planning at the Department of State during the Trump years. So both of you would be able to confirm for me and for my uh, wonderful audience here, that, in fact, hostile regimes and even allies, they study U.S. presidents at a very high level. Uh, Rebecca, is, is that true? Has that been your experience? That, that Absolutely. That, mm-hmm.
11: Yes. Hi, Sean. Yes, it is absolutely true. The Russian intelligence services um, have done their homework on President Biden and not just during this term, but during his previous terms, obviously. So they know him inside and out and they're quite aware of uh, his cognitive decline and the incompetence that he has demonstrated during the um, Putin-Biden summit, both professional incompetence as well as cognitive. I can't speak to the cognitive incompetence uh, because Dr. Um, Ryan Jackson has said it best by demanding the cognitive test, but I can attest to his professional incompetence. He has spent 30 years plus in the government, and he has no basic understanding of the tenets, of the principal tenets of statecraft, such as uh, strategic deterrence, such as diplomacy. I'm referring to him handing out basically target lists under the rubric of uh, redlining to Putin, who considers the United States its primary threat. It is uh, not only naive, it is not very
0: smart. I mean, the reality is, I mean, these have been disastrous weeks for the United States, and... Now the question is, Kyron, if you do agree with Rebecca, if you don't tell us, but assuming you do and, and that they study American presidents, they see the obvious, which is cognitive decline. They I mean that that one line alone. Come on, man. Did you do cocaine? Come on, come on, man. Are you a junkie. Um, and he does a lot of this come on, man stuff. And the, the flash of the temper very in indicative very goes hand in hand my understanding my reading my talking to to medical professionals with people in in some type of cognitive decline which is why i think dr ronnie jackson wants this cognitive test um what do they do with that information because to me that just shows them weakness now do uh, they I... fear the us military would kind of fill the void or fill the gap because Constitutionally, they don't, they don't really have the authority to do such.
12: I do agree that um, with this um, empirical reality that every foreign government studies the, um, the leaders of its friends and adversaries, and that's what intelligence officers do, and political um, appointees and political officers and civil servants read that intelligence. Um, and so that's a part of statecraft. So, there's not just the Russians, but the Europeans for this whole tour last week. they looked and witnessed um looked at and witnessed um, the American President, I think with some um deep concern, but they were well prepared for what they saw and encountered but there's something else, Sean, that you kind of hinted at that I think is important in this conversation, and it's not just reading the tea leaves about the cognitive abilities of the American president. It is about the premises that he has embraced, um, perhaps from his team, perhaps his longstanding viewpoint, as he went into the European trip. If you embrace these premises and arguments and assumptions, then you would have to declare his European trip a success. Listen just quickly as I go through um, what I think motivated this trip. One, there was a, um, a coalescence of the view among the European elites and the American team, foreign policy team under Biden that populist movements um, around the world are the enemy of democracy, especially populist movements in the West. Um, second, transnational elites, including European diplomats, know best, They know better than the American middle class, than the American voter, than the American public. This administration showed in this trip that it, in fact, believes that idea. Never once did I hear the president mention the foreign policy for the middle class. That's supposed to be the new Biden foreign policy. They went in a different direction. They focused on climate change, not energy prices, gas prices um, for Americans um, this summer. Um, there, it goes on and on um, that Donald Trump, they believe, was anti-European. We heard that throughout the week, hinted at um, by many Americans who were part of that. But trip. Kyron, asylum.
0: define, anti, uh, d- d- define what, what they didn't like about Donald Trump, because very specifically, they want the U.S. to pay everything.
12: Yes. And so when you put all of this together, if you agree with these ideas, It was a successful trip. If you don't agree with these ideas, you have deep concern about American security because American security now seems to be not America leading, um, but America following what the European elites want the United States to do. I found that to be troubling in every meeting that he had from the G7 to EU meetings, um, leaders to NATO to Putin. It was this seamless um theme of America has to be back and what back means is not America leading but following what European diplomats and those in Brussels want us to do.
0: Rebecca, do you agree with that cuz I think the world does want the United States to pay and I think they I I think they support, you know, um, America last policies. What really is frightening is the bulk of the money as I understand with the NATO alliance is to protect our Western European allies from hostilities from countries like Russia. So, how do, how are we simultaneously once again now paying the 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 brunt of? of of the cost of of that defense for our allies while they are making russia and putin rich again and joe has given putin and russia a waiver to build his pipeline while simultaneously you know with a stroke of a pen ending high-paying career jobs in the energy sector by stopping the keystone xl pipeline even making us now more dependent on russia for our energy needs
3: so
11: Absolutely uh, correct, uh, Sean. The Europeans would like to have their cake and eat it too. Basically, they would like the United States to pay the lion's share for their defense. And what that does, it creates further disunity within NATO. What happens is um, countries who do have experience with the totalitarian um, Soviet socialist oppression, such as the Baltics, such as Poland. They are the ones who actually do pay up, and they do want a more uh, um, firm posture by the United States and by the alliance to deter the Russian threat. The the old Europe, however, countries like Germany and France, they spend their money, you know, on things other than their security, relying on the United States to protect them. And it is very duplicitous. And the Russians actually know this. And one of their Russian strategy is to continue driving this wedge within nato so president biden again you know demonstrated his professional incompetence by having no idea how putin thinks and by okay so let me ask you about rhetoric he can he can he can deter russia he cannot do that
0: beyond the energy out maneuvering that putin made against joe biden um which is interesting in and of itself in terms of its utter ridiculousness and stupidity um, because now we're going to pay more we'll be dependent even ourselves on on russian energy as a source but exactly. more importantly you know my my question is what is what is putin's long game play here i mean now that he's going to be able to turn off the spigot for our western european allies and and now they become more reliant on him if not completely reliant on him for their lifeblood of their economy what what, what is what is putin then do with that power that is being handed to him.
11: So Putin has developed actually a, a, a 5 trong you know, master plan that uh, he plans to use in order to destabilize and defeat America, including by military means, if it comes to that. Okay, and that—that's the nuance. It includes both non-combat, non-military means, such as cyber, such as covert operations such as um, influence in the elections, uh, economics. It also includes destabilizing asymmetric weapons such as space and um, uh, counter-space weapons, including strategic and non-strategic nuclear weapons. Okay? So what he would like to do is also to de- uh, develop reliance, and we've had such reliance uh, by the United States on Russia for a number of things, including um, for our space launch capabilities that we actually um, had, including our military satellite launches. Right, because the United States has um, used what's called RD-180 engines produced by Russia, which are cheap and reliant, and 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 they work. You know, they work well. So we relied on that. We also relied on manned space launch until recently, um, when uh, Elon Musk developed um, a, a very, very proficient, robust space, cap- space uh, launch capabilities. But until then, the U.S. government, in all its infinite wisdom, was paying fifty million per astronaut. Proceed, and that prize grew exponentially every year to launch by the Russians our astronauts. Which is it, it, it's a big counterintelligence issue. Reliance on space because space is a strategic uh, asset for the United States. All our warfighting capabilities is very reliant on space. So Putin, the
0: world loves a weak America and Putin and President Xi, the Iranian mullahs, all of them, they're, they're all taking advantage of it. The extent will probably won't be able to assess this, the full damage of it all for many years to come. But uh, it could precipitate even an immediate crisis in the short term because radical Islamists, they see it, too.
5: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All
0: right, news roundup information overload hour 941 Sean, you want to be a part of the program John Stewart last week. You know, it's pretty amazing that, you know, most of these these late night comics, I mean, I couldn't believe I, we actually went and looked at the numbers of people that watch these late night so-called comedy shows, I mean, if you compare their numbers to the to the heyday of Jay Leno or David Letterman back in the day or, you know, John, you can't even begin to compare the numbers that Johnny Carson used to get. Like, I mean, their audiences are minuscule. I mean, Seth Meyers gets seven hundred and fifty thousand viewers a night, two hundred and twenty-nine thousand in the demo, and he takes a shot at me. So all I do is tweet out his horrible ratings, and then he shuts up. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of an easy battle on Twitter when I uh, when I when I beg my staff to be allowed a little space and access to my own social media accounts. Uh, but John Stewart, he's done a couple of good things lately. Um, you know, when people like him and people like Bill Maher, these are two people that hate my guts. It's not about politics. But when even they recognize that their fellow comedians are just not funny anymore and they they don't even have any sense of objectivity. And, you know, Bill Maher saying this is why people hate Democrats or John Stewart saying, uh, yeah, the Wuhan virology lab was known to study Corona viruses. They were involved in gain-of-function research, and you don't have to be, you know, an MIT graduate or a Harvard graduate uh, in medicine to understand that that lab was the likely source of COVID-19. I mean, and, and for Stephen Colbert, his friend, to just sit there dumbfounded that John stated so simply and effectively and, frankly, did it in a funny way, I mean, speaks volumes. Here's what Stuart said.
5: The disease is the same name as the lab. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they uh, ask the scientists, they're like, how did this? So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan Respiratory Coronavirus Lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe a... St- steam shovel mated with a cocoa bean or it's the chocolate factory maybe that's it
0: i mean stating the obvious is a great inventor once he actually said the obvious is that which is often unseen until someone expresses it simply i mean that's funny there's an an article number of actually a series of them out today one in the american thinker one in the blaze how a top chinese counterintelligence official Uh, had defected to the U.S., provided the U.S. intel on the Wuhan virology lab and China's bioweapons programs. And this Chinese official, according to these reports, the report was at one point close to the Chinese president, defected to the United States, that's President Xi, and the report claims the defector had been cooperating with U.S. and the U.S. intelligence agencies involved, and provided eye-opening intelligence about the Wuhan Institute of Virology and their bioweapons program that was going on. In other words, now we know from Fauci's emails, gain-of-function research was happening. Now we know that Fauci was warned on January 31st, 2020, that the the specific genome, when broken down, was evidence that there had been gain-of-function shift or changes in, in the coronavirus. But yet that was ignored. Then the series of panicked, we got to cover this up, emails and, and worry and concern that was obvious that, uh oh, maybe the NIH actually funded all of this. Anyway, so the reports that this guy that defected from China with his daughter, um, flying from Hong Kong to the U.S., landing in California, contacting our defense agencies, informing our officials that he was defecting and providing inside information about what the What was going on at this wuhan virology lab and other chinese government operations according to these varying reports and that he then hid in plain sight um you know weeks before disappearing into the you know our our intelligence agency's custody a longtime official china's ministry of state sec uh, security uh the u.s department of justice described this Ministry of State Security is an institution similar to the CIA and the FBI combined under one intelligence directorate responsible for counter intel and foreign intelligence and political security. Anyway, so this guy defects to the U.S. publicly, you know, his background is available, and he's telling the United States exactly what's going on inside of these labs. But then we have this denial, the mob, the media, big tech, the Democratic Party, Uh, Fauci clearly was being told one thing privately. We now know through his emails and telling the public something very different, very contradictory. Anyway, anyway, Congressman uh, Rob Whitman of Virginia in the 1st District there, he's a biologist. He's demanding answers. And he, along with Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, have introduced a bill to take action against Chinese health officials uh regarding the origins of the coronavirus pandemic which we all listen it it kind of became very transparent to me when you know all the talk about donald trump's travel ban on of all days january 31st that was the same day that anthony fauci the great flip-flopper had gotten an email saying it looked like gain-of-function research had been done on coronavirus based on the study of the genome of this virus, one particular genome of this virus. Anyway, that, that was 10 days after the first identified case in the U.S. Now we have a lot of concern, just to add, you know, insult to injury here, uh, about this new variant of the virus, which we're now beginning to think is, is far more dangerous than even the original virus um, and and something we all are going to have to start paying a lot of attention to because if, in fact, it is worse, you know, when, we're now going to have to wonder, worry, be concerned about uh, whether, in fact, this, this becomes something that is going to become a, another health issue. Uh, but anyway, uh, Congressman Rob Whitman, also a biologist, uh, joins us. So everybody, it seems to me, everybody should have known very early the only one that stated it publicly was donald trump there were a few of us in the media when we looked into the lab and we found out they studied coronaviruses now we have videos of bats that are flying around that same virology institute and we knew they were involved in gain of function and dr fauci knew so now we're finding out from this defector that in fact all of this was happening and that they were weaponizing viruses in this lab. do you believe that to be true, Congressman?
13: Well, Sean, there is a ton of information out there that would make you question uh, what was happening at the Wuhan lab, and I believe that we need to be gathering uh, every bit of intelligence, including what we've had from defectors uh, and then taking action listen as a biologist, I know when you when you work with these pathogenic organisms in these labs, you have to take extraordinary care these these organisms are tremendously lethal if they are mishandled. And to have that source there and then all of a sudden say, no, 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 it was a live market. And for China not to allow an open, independent investigation and for the World Health Organization to essentially be complicit with them and say, oh, by the way, China, you investigate yourself and you tell us what you find. I mean, here we are today, and just as you said earlier when President Trump said, hey, we need to be looking at this, there's something going on there. When Senator Tom Cotton said, We ought to be looking at this. When others of us said the same thing, we were all dismissed as, oh, this crazy conspiracy theorist. Now what we're seeing is as intelligence builds and as we see Chinese Communist Party officials really going after folks uh, in the scientific community, all of a sudden you see whistleblowers disappear. You see any journalists there... That is willing to report on this. All of a sudden, be attacked by the Communist Party. There is so much there, I believe, Sean, that needs to come to light. It will only come to light if there's an independent, uh, object, uh, objective investigation that goes on. And I believe, unless that happens, that there needs to be consequences for China. You can't just say, "Well, we'll have our our intelligence community take a look at this and give me a report in ninety days," which is what the president's saying. And then today, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, says, "Well." China could face isolation from the international community. No, no. This is about the death of 600,000 Americans and 3.4 million people worldwide. This, this has got to be more than just, oh, we're going to have some isolation uh, for China. This has got to be about strong and decisive action against China, against those Chinese Communist Party officials about making sure that we go after them, that we sanction them. That's what I believe is going to get things happening. We want to make sure that we prohibit any funds from U.S. institutions, colleges, universities, from going to the Chinese National Health Commission, which is what was funneling money to the Wuhan lab. I want to know where every penny from any U.S. institution or from any U.S. agency went for gain-of-function research there. There's a lot that I think we don't know about that either. Those things are incredibly important. And I think we ought to be uh, giving kudos to Taiwan, who early on said, hey, look at this. There are issues here. I think we ought to give Taiwan observer status in the World Health Organization. I think they ought to be lifted up because they spoke out early instead of China that all they did was seek to cover this up. I mean, there's so many things here that we have to find out about. And if we don't, we are doing not only a disservice to 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 every family that suffered through the death of their loved ones here, but everybody who has had the disease and the 3.4 million people that died worldwide. I think the world deserves answers.
0: All right, quick break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll continue now with Congressman Whitman more on the origins of the Wuhan virus, COVID 19, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. All right, as we continue, Congressman Rob Whitman of Virginia, also a biologist, is with us. What do you think of, and I'm reading a lot about this new Delta variant of COVID 19, which seems somewhat concerning in, in as much as it is more infectious and more lethal. Um, I have one doctor friend of mine uh, explaining it to me who's actually concerned. That the Delta variant may actually only be an intermediate variant. It represents about 10 percent now of all new cases in the U.S. And that even a more virulent form of the virus could be the immediate the, the immediate outcrop of of this Delta variant, if I'm saying that right.
13: Well, Sean, I, I think we should all be concerned about anything that happens with this virus as it mutates, and it will mutate. We see that uh, with all viruses out there that that infect human beings. We see it with the flu virus each year. The question is, is, can we get in front of what those virulent new strains might be? Will the existing vaccines work for that? And I know that they are, are investigating exactly that particular case. The key is is to be able to quickly identify any mutation in this virus, to be able to identify the specific genetic code there so that we can, if necessary, do things like we've done before to be able to get out in front of it. The only way we can do that is to understand it. Remember, we went to China early on and said, by the way, can you give us the genetic code to this COVID-19 virus? And they didn't do so off the bat, which hurt the whole effort to research it, to understand it, to understand, too, how do we develop a vaccine? How do we we look at therapeutics for that? It is critically important that as soon as these new strains come about, that we identify them, we understand the genetics of them so that we can respond to them and then quickly understand, will the current vaccine work against those new variants?
0: I mean, it's just uh, the whole thing is scary. Do you think that the Pfizer, the, the Moderna, J&J, uh, natural antibodies, do you think that would be enough to, to fight off any variant, or do we have to then concern ourselves about a new vaccine down the road?
13: Well, Sean, I think we're going to have to look very carefully as these new cases come about, and you're going to have to determine are these individuals that are that are exhibiting the disease, first of all, have they been vaccinated? Second of all, what symptoms are they exhibiting? Is, are, they, are they sublethal lethal symptoms? Are we having people that are now dying from this new variant? And that'll give us an understanding as to whether the current vaccines are working. And if they are not, uh, then yes, that causes deep concern. And then the question is, is what do we do uh, to be able to treat individuals? First of all, because it takes a little while to develop a new vaccine. The question is, is do you just need to put a slight variant in this vaccine which is a technology that uses RNA, which is the genetic material from the virus, this messenger RNA, you can develop a vaccine more quickly. But again, it's a pretty Herculean task. It's amazing what was able to be done under Operation Warp Speed to get this vaccine done. The question would be is how how genetically different is a mutation of this virus? And is the current vaccine working? And is there something that you could do to make minor modifications to that if you can keep the number of people that get sick from any new variant of the virus small, then it's much, much easier to contain it. But as numbers get bigger and bigger, as we saw with the original COVID-19 virus strain, uh, it becomes uh, orders of magnitude more difficult once it gets to that point.
0: Well, we appreciate you being with us, Congressman Rob Whitman of Virginia, also a biologist. Uh, it gets a little scary as time goes on. I mean, like, I, you know, I think we've kind of been through it, enough hell here. And life finally being back to normal—at least for me—it's been uh, has been beyond refreshing. Uh, we appreciate you being with us, Congressman. Thank you. Keep us up to speed. Any new developments? Okay. We'll do it, Sean. Thanks again. I mean, you have to be pretty ignorant to just ignore the obvious. And but this—this this is now the impact of the mob. The mob was, oh, no, no, that's a debunked conspiracy theory. That, that's a conspiracy theory. That's a conspiracy theory. No, 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 that's a debunk conspiracy theory. No, it wasn't. I mentioned the travel ban. I didn't finish my thought, but once China implemented their own travel ban that you couldn't leave Wuhan province uh, and go anywhere else in China, and you couldn't come from China to, into Wuhan pri- province, but you could leave Wuhan and go anywhere else in the world, that was a pretty good indication that the Chinese government knew damn well how dangerous this was, and they covered it up quick break right back all right 25 to the top of the hour Two are busy telephones we go 800-941-SEAN is our number Colleen we start with you this half hour go uh uh welcome to the show glad you are with us
3: um I'm I'm just calling because I'm one of the many that are have done their homework and have done research on this vaccine. I, I'm not against vaccines. My kids are vaccinated and so forth. But as far as this vaccine, this particular, um, COVID, um, I should say this COVID, uh, method of, uh, immunity, I, I've done my research. I'm in the medical field. I've been, ta- I, I work with patients every day and they come up to me and they say to me, why do I have to answer the COVID questions if I had the shot? Well, it's because the shot is in an emergency use phase only, meaning it's still in a study phase. We still don't know much about the effects of it, like will it affect a person's placenta? Will it affect um, you being fertile in the future? Um, Will this cause cancer? All these, we we don't know. And and as good as it sounds like I'm vaccinated, I've done what I've, I've done, there's still an outcome and there's still unknowns. And, it re- and like you said in the past, I've been listening to your shows. It really depends upon your history, your medical history. For instance, I've got a kid going through cancer treatment. She's got leukemia for the third time. And not once did they say she needs her, her, her COVID shot. And one of the reasons is It it, it, it has been known to cause blood disorders. Well, I've already got a kid with a blood disorder. Matter of fact, I got two kids with blood disorders, and they can't be pushing this shot because, again, everyone's health history is unique, and everyone has that opportunity to say, hey, I really don't think this is for me. They should have that choice. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying don't get it. It's bad. I'm saying we just don't know enough about it. To say, yeah, let's go ahead and let's get, give this to everybody. It's a sure thing, because it isn't a sure thing. So I, exactly I, I will tell Senator you, when the,
0: Cleveland, when the Cleveland Clinic came out and, and said that, for example, if you had COVID, you have natural immunity, you have the T-cell antibodies, and the, you don't need the vax, vaccine in any way, it kind of reinforced to me what I instinctively felt was that it's, I'm not the right person to tell people what to do medically, you know, and, and I was you, I don't know if you've been following it, Colleen. I mean, a lot of people in the media, they want to know my covid status. They want to know if I got the shot. They want to know if I had covid. They want to. You know, my first of all, my answer is it's none of your damn business. If I wanted to tell you, I would tell you. I probably would have told people if they didn't start insisting that I tell them. And 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 frankly, I believe in medical privacy, which is a pretty simple, basic com, uh, concept to me. Secondly, I don't know anything about one person in this audience's medical background. I don't know a thing, you know. But I, but I want to be a responsible broadcaster. So what? This is what I decided to do. To do, take it seriously. I know people that have been on ventilators that barely survived. Um, I know people who lost loved ones because of this stupid virus. Um, I take it seriously. Research. I've read, I would tell you, probably hundreds of hours of inform- of stuff on, on COVID. Talk to your doctor, your doctors, medical professionals you trust, based on your unique medical condition, make the decision that's right for you. I, I think that's responsible advice, don't you? Uh,
3: yes, to an extent. Because let me ask you this. Why are these professional institutions promoting money to get the shot? Like, why are they offering, hey, if you get the shot, we'll give you a hundred bucks? Or why? I've never in the history known why. Are they making money off of this? I mean, I'm just, it's a big question that a lot of people are asking. Like, what, why is there an incentive for us to be paid to get a vaccine? Like you said, it should be a personal choice. I'm pretty confident out there the the, the COVID virus, according to the CDC, for my age group, and I'm a 52 year old, is 99. I think 4 percent treatable without therapeutics right now. I'm pretty darn confident. And like the Spanish flu, there was variants after the Spanish flu as well. They were even in our common flus. And the Spanish flu took 50 million lives. 50 million. Okay. We're, thank God, we're not even close to that. So is I'm it, pretty confident. I'm going to stay positive here and say, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty confident that this is going in a good direction. And listen, point,
0: I, I really, it, it, I love my audience. I will tell you, I love people, even people that hate my guts. I don't want to see them get sick. I don't want people to die. I, you know, I'm, I believe life is a gift from God. And I, be, I love medical science. I believe in medical researchers and scientists. I knew they'd get us out of this hell at some point. Amazing people. And, and they'd offer us solutions and, and look at Regeneron and Ivermectin. And lo and behold, hydroxychloroquine turned out to be a lot better than what the lying media mob told us it would be.
5: Trump continues to push for
11: the use of the anti-malaria drug, hydroxychloroquine. All right, Gene Robinson, you write in The Washington Post, the one word uh, that proves why President Trump should not be president, what is it?
3: Hydroxychloroquine, the anti-malaria drug also used for autoimmune uh, conditions that President Trump is touting as the magic bullet against COVID-19, as as the, one of the greatest game changers in the history of medicine.
5: You know, he is out there talking up this drug that's been unproven that hopefully will uh, help a lot of patients, but you know, his own doctors are being very cautious.
14: And even some of the medical doctors like Dr. Oz are pushing these unproven treatments uh, and and saying that the White House and and the governors need to approve the use of them. (laughs) Dr.
11: Fauci wasn't allowed to talk about what he feels is important to say about this drug that the president keeps pushing. A lot of people would say, follow the money. There's got to be some sort of. Financial tie to someone somewhere that has the president pushing this repeatedly. I want to know why is the president so convinced that this is the medication
3: that needs to be stockpiled? What is in it for him?
0: And we were told early on the risk was nil anyway, but they didn't want to report that. So I just want people to make what responsible, informed, educated decisions for themselves and their family and I'm not equipped to make that decision for them. But I want them to take all of it seriously so so we don't have to go through what we've been through. You know, what took, what, 18 months of our lives away from us. Um, anyway, and I wish you and your family the best, too. I really do. And I think you raise important questions that people need to think about. Okay? Thank you. All right, Colleen. Back to our busy phones we go. We've got Dave in Texas. Dave on the Sean Hannity Show. Sir, how are you? Glad you called. Doing
14: well, Sean. Thanks. Hey, I'm an immigrant, um, landed permanent resident from Canada. I came down at the end of 2013 to participate in the shale boom, I, I mean, the energy industry. And at the time I left, Canadian per capita GDP was slightly ahead of the U.S., and that was owing to what I would consider Obama's poor economic performance in the conservative administration in Canada at the time, Harper doing quite well. Um, since that time, the roles have been reversed. The America First agenda of Trump was tremendous, and such that I prospered and decided I'm not going to go back to Canada. I'm going to stay, and I, you know, I've done very well, paid a lot of taxes, and everything. But I'm very concerned now about the direction of the Biden administration. They are following Trudeau's ill-advised, woke plans, I, I just want to urge all your listeners to take a look at what happened north of the border, where per capita GDP has actually fallen since Trudeau came into office, and yet under the uh, Trump years, it, it grew tremendously here in the United States and it's, it's economic and energy policy tied together.
0: And if look, I you, you comment, might even be able to make the case that Canada is even more conservative than the U.S. at this point. You might be able to make that case. The,
14: the way it's, it's certainly Western Canada unequivocally is Eastern Canada, uh, much like the Northeast part of the United States, just seem to be lost in a dream world about where the economy is. And you look at that, that Keystone decision, um, you've covered it quite well, but I wanted to add that uh, for every dollar America was spending importing Canadian oil, 91 cents was coming back into the U.S. economy through direct investment trade. Historically, we've been your largest trading partner and a uh, partner in NATO and more at the North American Air Defense Agreement. And when, when you look at alternative sources from the Middle East and South America, it's coming in at less than a third of that, less than 30 cents of every dollar it comes back. And then you've got all kinds of other issues around that America, having to be the policeman. And, you know, that was day one. That was his first boneheaded decision. I'm talking about Biden. Trudeau didn't say a word. We need a continental energy strategy, one that, that understands the mix, the differences between heavy oil, light, sweet oil. And I don't want to get into the minutia of the energy industry, but we can work together and prosper because the world is better off a safe and prosperous America, standing as the guardian of freedom, capitalism, and
0: democracy. That's listen. I, I think I that's know, all well said, and I think if we don't get it get it right, and and we, remember, he, a lot of these decisions were made unilaterally by Biden and and had no input whatsoever from Canada, and it greatly impacts Canada, Keystone XL in particular, as much as the U.S. And you know, but but now you know when you look at the energy issue here in the U.S., I read this today. You know, we're now more reliant on Russia, Putin, for energy than we have been in a long, long time. And there's no need for it whatsoever. You know, the irony of all this, too, is, you know, none of these other countries care about the environment. You know, the idea that the Paris Climate Accords would, would classify India and China as developing nations so they pay a fraction of the monies that the United States are burdened to pay when we are the one country that actually uh, lowered carbon emissions more than any other country. And so now from a national security standpoint, we're giving up the lifeblood of our economy. And just from a from a practical economic standpoint, we're now paying more to fill up our tanks, heat and cool our homes And we're paying more for goods and services because it it costs more to get goods and services produced, manufactured, and also shipped to whatever location they're being shipped to. I mean, this is not complicated economics. This is simple economics, 101. And the reality is, is that the American people suffer as a result of these stupid policies. Now, uh, you know, and then to allow our Western European allies, you know, to become more reliant on Vladimir Putin... And, and he's providing the lifeblood of their economies with the potential of turning off the spigot any, any damn time he chooses. Uh, at the same time, we simultaneously pay for the bulk of, of NATO defenses, which in large part is for our Western European allies to be protected from Russia uh, and any hostilities of, of, of this hostile regime with this hostile actor, Vladimir Putin. It makes America out to be a bunch of suckers and a bunch of stupid morons. If uh, if you want to make Putin rich again in Western Europe, go right ahead. But we're not going to pay for your defense. And if it means ultimately Putin is in charge of the lifeblood of their economies, that's not going to end well for our alliance. It's 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 going to cause deep divisions down the road and it's going to push are our Western European allies right towards Putin? And why shouldn't it? Because they need what he has. And we're too stupid to produce it ourselves. It's You, you, know, you, I, you, I, you can't even make this stuff up. But it, anyway, I do appreciate the call. Mary is in Texas also. Mary, you're on the Sean
12: Hannity Show. Yes. You know, <clears throat> I just need to see if Trump's lawyers, her legal team, the constitutional team that he's got, <clears throat> can figure out how to get these idiots out of out of out of the presidency and their team this is ridiculous i do not want my country to go down and and be uh you know tyrant by china and russia that is not okay
0: it's not okay but it's happening um, the world oh, knows how? the the world knows that which the media will never talk about the the world's hostile actors know that Joe Biden is a cognitive mess. They know it. So so they're acting accordingly. And th- that for them is, this is the time now in the China Sea uh, for China to pursue their geopolitical ambitions. This is the time for China to align with Russia and the Iranian mullahs and Russia and China to provide arms to the Iranians so they can fight their Middle Eastern proxy war. Because that's good for China's economy and that's good for Russia's economy if you really want to be blunt about it i mean a lot of this comes down to to dollars and cents and and they're not going to change because joe doesn't have the strength to change them all right that's going to wrap things up for today loaded up tonight hannity fox news as we check in with the media mob and their corruption violence around the country you won't hear from anybody else apparently in the media because they can't politicize it of the latest on wokeness, the latest on corona and the cover-up and the Wuhan Virology Lab and the news that you'll never get elsewhere. It's all happening 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Hannity, Fox News. See you tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow. As always, you make this show possible. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.